It's a good show. This is Tracy Bonham, and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andras Jones. Radio 8 Ball, give us a shake. We're in the studio, tempting fate wherever you are. Putting questions to the songs which we will randomly select with the help of our friends, Synchronicity. We're Radio 8 Ball, give us a shake. Radio 8 Ball, give us a shake. Radio 8 Ball, give us a shake. Radio 8 Ball, show. Welcome back to Radio 8 Fall, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I am your host, Andras Jones, here in the studio in Vancouver, British Columbia, with Ford Pier. Hi. He's been providing the oracle fodder for our musical divinations. And now we are joined by someone who's going to be our musical guest in an upcoming episode. For you listeners, it's one that's going to be coming out in a few weeks, a couple weeks. And for those of us here, it's something I'm going to be recording in just a couple days. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball, Sarah Wheeler. Thank you for having me. Oh, your voice sounds great on that mic. I can't wait to hear you sing in a couple oh, days. Oh, look out. <laughs> so, uh, so when I told Ford you were coming in to ask a question, he was like, oh, that's great, Sarah Wheeler. I was like, oh, well, they must know each other. So I get to ask, how do you know each other? I don't know. I knew that you were going to ask that question, mm. and I don't know exactly when it was. I mean, like, maybe cunt. I think so. Maybe. What yeah. What a horrible thing to call someone on my show. The well. only thing I do know about him is he's not very polite. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that a Canadian thing? In America, you just get punched. You try You try that well, for Well, no, why don't you explain my my vulgar utterance there? I use, well, uh, when did that all start? Uh, sugar refinery. Sugar refinery yeah, days. So, like, late, late 90s. 90s. What is yeah. the sugar refinery? It's a venue? Yeah. Okay. That was a venue. I'm pretty sure that you visited oh, there yeah. before. Oh, yeah. On uh, Granville Street downtown. Oh, no, yes, I used to love playing yeah. there. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I was in a band with uh, a couple of the people that worked at the sugar refinery and so we, we 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 the band was called cunt and it's a free improv um well it's it's kind of improvised pop tunes basically there's five uh, the older there are five um instrumentalists that all sing and we basically would dress up in crazy outfits and try and make up songs based on a slideshow that was going on or just like we it involved a lot of marijuana basically and uh that project is continues now actually we took a hiatus for a while and we're back at it who all's in the band now the lineup is annie wilkinson patsy klein uh lee abramson um Ida Nielsen and Ida Meredith. played played trumpet on your record, Andres. Oh yeah, yep. On Cartesian Shack. Yep. Oh. And Meredith Bates, who plays with mm-hmm. Ford, and myself. Cool. Leah yeah. has been on Radio Eight Ball before. Leah is awesome. Yeah. Yep. I yeah. thought that she might have. She was touring with Bob Wiseman. Uh huh. That makes sense. She ended up on the show. He was also someone I was thinking of inviting to be on the show, but he is very dubious of the whole... Like, I was actually going back and listening to his episode. It actually, it might, for listeners may have heard it, because it'll go on our best of episode that's gone before this. And he is very, very dubious of the whole 
synchronicity oracular divination thing and then sure. the answers are perfect they're like these amazing answers and he's like ah, i don't know i don't know i'm not sure about that that's one of the things i love about bob wiseman he's just not sure about that yeah so sarah so you're going to be the you're going to be the musical guest on a show we're doing in a couple days and this is your chance to do a little uh, toe dip i call it like let's just dip your toe into what we're doing yeah, here so works. you can see what it's like you're going to be in the in ford's chair it's very, very soon it's very mystical in here yeah it feels yeah, it's very mystical well that's also yeah. the vibe that sheldon yeah. creates he's here in zed studio very mystical yes yeah. he is we've already established that he's not going to speak he refuses to utter a word like some mystic up at the top of a mountain. We try and get a word out of him, and he just smiles at us inscrutably, makes us question our very existence. It's like meeting the Dalai Lama. (laughs) And since you're not going to talk, we're just going to keep talking about you. So anyway, so, well, I uh, I, I do want to get to your question, but before I do that, let's... uh, Oh, I wanted to ask you about your, you know, I, I asked how you know each other, but when we talked about uh, your band, but you know, I see I'm so, I'm so acculturated, I'm so uh, uh, trained that I can't, I'm, I'm afraid to say the name of the band. I'm just going to say it. Uh, your band, Cunt. Mm-hmm. I just, if I feel like I'm, Set it I'm free, getting I'm away free. with something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> um, so, so Sarah, but. How do you? Uh, what of Ford's music are you familiar with? Are you you've known him? You you know him from where? Mm-hmm. Just a, a, out and about town, or? Well, yeah, I I actually was introduced to Ford's music because I was a huge fan of Veda Hilly's um, way way back in the right. day, mm-hmm. and I was actually thinking about this as I was coming over, and um, I don't know whether this will totally ruin Ford's street cred, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I... I have street cred I, to ruin, do I? I um, was like a gigantic fan of that band. Like, I, lo- I love Veda Hilly's compositions and singing. was such a huge fan of hers. I didn't know her, because I'm a little bit younger than these guys. And uh, I I just I love the whole project and all of the musicians in that band and just like the band as mm-hmm. well. I oh, love yeah. everything about it. And they actually in the 90s they opened for um a huge rock star that could re- remain nameless if you oh, want no. if you want oh, them no, to. No, no. Um but I was just like holy crap this is a wicked Were you at that show? I went because to see you guys. No. Yeah. Tell us who the rest I went to t- see you. Guys. Who were they opening for? <laughs> it was Alanis Morissette. Yeah. We yeah. opened for Alanis Morissette at yeah. the the Enormo Dome there or whatever it was. Yeah. It was, she was really cool and every everywhere that she went on that tour, she uh she well the uh uh the the featured opening act for the whole tour was Sloan. And in each town, she wanted a uh, local independent uh, underground oh. woman artist to open for her, of whom she was a fan. She, you know, like she she didn't have handlers picking out, you know, like, oh, here's somebody that you could, you know, like she, uh, there was, like, for instance, there was a couple of songs in the middle of the set, which I did not play with the band mm-hmm. at that show when we were opening for Alanis Morissette. 
And so I descended from the stage to put on my gold lamé jacket, which I wore for the second half of the set. In and, uh, like and a, a was, nod to Rockestra? And there was, there, or, was, no. there was Alanis Morissette who was, you know, like sort of swaying back and forth and singing along with the song that Veda was doing. You know, like she was totally into the music, a very nice, genuine person and everything, you know. Well, for, yeah, Ford didn't know that story. And yeah, I'm not a gigantic Alanis Morissette fan by any means. But Sloan and Veda Hilly, that's but, a show. But I went to see their band. Like, I wanted to see them in that yeah. gigantic setting and, like, see them fucking rip it up. And it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. You know, was, Ve- you know Veda is the one who recommended you to be on Radio 8 Ball. I had Ford and Jeff Berner. And I was like, I, was, I didn't know who else. And I was at Deveda. She's like, oh, well, you got to have Sarah. So it's, it's a kind. mutual appreciation society. Well, she's I'm a fan of sure. yours as well. Totally. Uh, it's, it's very kind. Very kind. We, we haven't had Alanis Morissette on the show, but I have <laughs> crossed paths with, paths with her in L.A. a few times. She's really in with the she's a she's in with the, the smart comedy scene, hmm. like uh, the, oh, the yeah. people who do Curb Your Enthusiasm and stuff like sure. that. So she's got a sense of humor. She's a cool person. I think your I think your street cred is probably still intact. Ford. <laughs> that was a fun show. It was a very easy show to play. You know, I mean, like there's, you know, playing for ten people is hard. Playing for that many people is a snap. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, uh, Ford yeah. Pier is built for that kind of thing. Uh, like, it's just like so. Yeah, I've so seen great. you pull like like these because you, you do the rock and roll theatrics with the jumping and the you know you're you're not a mopey shoegazing guitarist. You, you are a very electric player, and to see you on a big stage that would be that would be fun. Oh, there was nothing to bump into. It was great. <laughs> but a lot of really elect- intellectual kind of players though. Yeah, they don't really perform a lot of the time. You yeah. know, like a lot of. Yeah, that's a that's something that's very cool about Ford. I think in that I, I think it's like an artistic expression is part of the whole thing is an artistic expression. Mm-hmm. It's not you know some musicians are a little bit like up their own asses a little bit. <laughs> I would say <laughs> the same. Performance. I would say the same thing about Sarah's performance. That's what I've always loved about it. When I like the first few times that I that I. Uh, saw it at the at the sugar refinery or at the main it was just like how energetic her presentation was and just like how into the song she was you know uh you you believe every word awesome total commitment i'm looking forward to it i'm coming for tea at your house whenever (laughs) i'm having a bad day So, Sarah, when we do your show, you're going to get a chance to ask the Pop Oracle of your own music a question. But what is your question for the Pop Oracle of Ford's music? Oh, well, um, yeah. So, as I said, I was, I, was, I was driving over thinking about that, thinking about how I know Ford and stuff. And I was, I was just thinking, I, I actually um, have a friend who... Read is like a kind of a has a mystical background. That's what she studies. She's British and she she's she, she reads tarot and she's into all these kinds of things. So I was like, whoa, what what kinds of questions are I ran into her today? And I was like, what kind of questions are good to ask in this kind of a setting? And she's like, well, you're supposed to ask something that has to do with yourself. So this may seem like slightly. <laughs> Oh, it's great. I um, love, uh, thank you. Like a for selfish me. kind of kind of a question, but I was thinking like, okay. The, it's about like 
the butterfly effect of create of the choice to create music. So like I was kind of I find it interesting to talk to musicians especially when they're not like 19-year-old musicians about why they consciously make the choice to continue making music even though it may seem like a crazy thing as you get older. Like it seems like you've totally lost your marbles at a certain point. <laughs> and uh, I was just thinking about okay, well the butterfly effect of that show and Ford playing music when I was younger was just like I was it, it it just really inspired me like it genuinely inspired me um to play the music that I play like I was a huge fan and uh I'm just wondering like what unknown butterfly effects um uh of uh, are are happening because we are choosing to continue to make music and if if I may just cuz because you did say it was a selfish question. I was going to say, what for myself? Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. yes. I mean, what's yeah. what's what's not happening? Yeah. What? Well, no. What is what is um, what are the unknown effects of, of my I continuing okay. to choose yeah. to yeah. play that's, music? That's a great that question. that you might not even ever know of. Learn about because I, I don't know that you knew that I was at that show. I don't think you. Did. I don't no, think I, I had ever no chatted idea. with you. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, now to engage the pop oracle. Sarah, you get to pick a card. I pick any a card? card. Any card. Pick a card. Any card. Pick a card. Pick a any card. Pick a card. Pick a any card. Pick a card. Song number eight, which is. I'll tell the world.
So the ashes of a monster finds acceptance in the dust Like the grip of a hand of a child who's never known anything but trust Like the passing of an eon treats jokes with the tide Like clouds say I love you by committing suicide I'll tell the world I'll tell the world That was I'll Tell the World from Ford Pier. The answer to Sarah Wheeler's question, what is the butterfly effect of making music and particularly of making her own music? If you're out there listening, you can think of this as how it affects, you know, why how what's the butterfly effect in your creation or in any of ours. So, Ford, you want to tell us a little bit about the background of that song? Um. I'm sorry that I messed it up for you, Sarah. That was played perfectly. Uh, (laughs) We loved it. We loved it. I got lost. Yeah, so, but tell us a little bit about what uh, the background of the song. Mm. Background of the song. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why I wrote it. It was just something that occurred to me one day, which is, um, like, there's, there's a lot of things that that you know that are so obvious and that's a the uh, it it used to be uh you know like uh it was a colloquialism i'll tell the world mm-hmm. it was like you hear it in in you know like a movie like little caesar or whatever it's like ha, i'll tell the world mm-hmm. you know as in like duh right you know everybody knows that um and uh that's that's what it's about. It's about things that are so obvious that you never ever think about them. It's good to have your relationship with those things rebooted every now and again, but you never do mm-hmm. unless you you know hear a really good song or spend time with people that you love or you know I suppose that's really the function of of art if we can call it that is just to you know like sort of reaffirm for people the things that they know. Really, yeah. at their core, you know, there's you know also a, a a time to learn and to be exposed to other things which are just as true or whatever, and then they become part of that core. But, uh, you know, uh, the experience of having something which is just so obvious for you renewed, like, oh yeah, I think that because it's true. Right. Because it's real. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have the words to express a feeling like that. So it's all just a whole bunch of images. Mm-hmm. Well, Sarah, what did you think about that as the answer to your question? Well, I thought it was a little bit spooky. Because... <laughs> 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 um, because um, 
Yeah, I I uh, I went through uh, some cancer treatment over the last couple of years, and uh, um, just for the fun of it, or because you had cancer. Most mostly the second part. Okay. Mostly the second part. It's like you know, a, it's an interesting artistic exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No. No kidding. Um, yeah, and um, I think maybe it's a part of the reason why I'm here today. Like because I don't know if we can say anything about this, but some other people that we know are going yeah. through um, the sim the same thing. Right. Um, so. Uh, yeah, so there's so one of the thing like uh, when you're going through something like that, uh you have a lot of time to think about um like what you really want to do with your life. Like because there's a t there's as you're going through treatment, there's uh, sorry, this is I don't mean for this to be super dark. <laughs> no, this is our show gets dark, <laughs> turns dark on a dime. I love it. No, okay. it's a yeah, go. Okay. Um yeah, yeah, it just like really um made me think about like what are the things you know like as you're going through treatment it it kind of puts you into that place of like you could go one way, it could go f another way, you know. So if I'm allowed to walk through this experience, then what are the things that I really want to do with my life? And um and I music is so like I don't think I would have gotten through that experience without music. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, lots of so many people came together and like would just hang out and play music and like uh, you know like it 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 was it's super corny but it was hugely powerful for me. Like and I think it's yeah, um, yeah so I uh, I don't know I think that you said something about someone the night before their surgery or whatever in that. Oh in yeah. Yeah, well, I I I messed it up, uh, but uh, yeah, the uh, the unbeliever uh, the, un the unbeliever drops to his knees the night before surgery. Yeah, right. So it kind of it's a it's about like to me, I kind of got like it it's that puts things into perspective um, mm -hmm. in terms of like oh, oh what you know I don't know what what the butterfly effect is of this, but maybe. The, you were talking about, oh, it's an obvious choice. And I guess, like, you know, you can go through your life and go, like, am I playing music because I grew up in a musical family and I just, it's what I do and I don't know how to do anything mm -hmm. else or blah, blah, blah. Or am I actually choosing this? Mm -hmm. And is this really, you know, what I'm meant to do with my life? And I, uh, that became abundantly clear to me over the last little while. It's just like something that I have to do for whatever reason. Yeah. And I'm sure it's the same for you. Sure. Um, and yeah, I don't know what this song means. The butterfly effect is though. Maybe Andres. Well, there's a line: the, the color of a feeling or the music of the spheres, tales spun by open planes that last a thousand years. That's in the first verse, and that yeah. seems like it's very specifically addressing that idea that art can have this incredibly long-range effect, much longer than. We can even we can even imagine, right? We can we all, I think every artist fantasizes about the idea that like after I'm gone, people will listen to this. But even if even in the fantasy, you can't imagine that a thousand years from now people will be. And there are art. There's art that is that is like that. And from the standpoint of the butterfly effect, of the way you say, like the way you put it, 
you don't have to like I don't have to have been to that show that you saw of Veda Hilly and Sloan and Alanis Morissette to have been affected by it because it affected and inspired you. And if I'm then inspired by you or by someone that you inspired, eventually that's going to download or it's going to get to me with that butterfly effect in that butterfly effect way. Yeah. And then also just the idea, like when I say, when it says a thousand years, it makes me think of like, well, there's a thousand years going into the future, but then there's a thousand people all experiencing one year. So you could have a thousand years, you know, thinking, you know, linearly, or you could say this year, a thousand of us experienced something and that's a thousand years in another way. So that's, again, the way the butterfly effect can affect. If there's a thousand people in a room who all hear a song, it affects a thousand years right there. Uh Right. I don't know. Or even just the immediate butterfly effect in terms of not like after people pass, but like the immediate Mm -hmm. butterfly effect of seeing, you know, somebody else doing something that inspires you or whatever. Yeah. And then there's, there's that other line. I think it's funny. Like it's almost like trying to curb the butterfly effect of would you want to hide so well nobody could find you? Could you go on knowing the worst was behind you? It makes me think of, uh, in a way, what I've... So my my experience with songwriting, we, we were talking about earlier, Ford produced a record for me that I recorded here in 2001, 2002, not here at Sheldon's studio, but mm. here in Vancouver. And that was after I had made many records. And after that, I I kind of tried to stop. I was like, it was a, like I mm. stopped making music in a way like I wanted to. It was like sort of playing chicken. Like if I can stop, I should stop. I had for a long time, I'd given that advice. People would look at me playing at a show at the railway or something and be like, how do you make, how do you make it in music? Or like, what, what's your advice to someone who wants to make it in music? I'm like, if you can quit, do. <laughs> if you can't, keep doing it. But if you can't, if, if you see another option, quit. And so I sort of put that to the test. And I found that I was sort of, I was incapable of stopping, but I did, I have since then started to, treat my art in this way that this line and this line does would you would you want to hide it so well nobody could find you and i feel like in a lot of times with my stuff i since that time i've been just burying it for you know to see if i by burying it i can make it more powerful Hmm. everyone else is trying to to shout it to the rafters so what happens if you take something great and bury it deep in the ground i don't know it's a it's a theory of obscurity what the theory of obscurity. What is the? Tell me about you the theory of obscurity. Attract more attention to yourself by being occult or obscure. <laughs> well, it hasn't worked yet. No. But uh, I, I don't think. Actually, I don't think I'm very good at being obscure. I'm uh, someone who talks too much and divulges too much. I'm, I'm singing. I'm, I'm selling myself. And whether or not I'm selling the music, I'm doing. You know, I host a podcast that comes out every day. So obviously, I'm not being that obscure. But at the same time, though, like in this time period, it's really interesting because, um, like. Uh, it seems like in the past, like in the music industry, people mm-hmm. would try and like, or in any kind of industry, people would try and like, in the advertising industry, people would try and go for an, a huge demographic. Yeah. And that's how you would you'd get t- to more people or whatever. But now it seems in this time period, um, if you actually are really yourself and you like, because you're doing that with this podcast, it's a particular niche podcast. And when you start to talk 
about the things that really resonate with you. And you really, really, you know, you're, when you're yourself, that's when people know it's real and that's when people connect with it. And so sometimes when you really get down to that niche audience, that's where you really catch fire. Mm -hmm. It is that sort of exciting time now in that way. Nobody has, very few people have that big career, but lots of people, like there's so many people who are famous you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Right, like yeah. how many? Yeah, like sure. oh, I this amazing band. I went and saw them, and they played to three thousand people. You ever heard of them? No, because mm-hmm. only those three thousand people in that town know it because they're in that that little thing. And that's and there are people. We've had people on the show. I think people who experienced success in the old record industry mm-hmm. have a hard time seeing that as a positive. Mm-hmm. But to me, who was always lived in the gutter of the record industry, I think that's fantastic. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it's a bummer that you don't get to that. Alon- that uh, the Alanis Morissette thing doesn't happen. But there's also the chance that some weird little thing could fill up that room all on its own. Even though, but it probably wouldn't be music. It would be like, you know, the people. You know, you can fill a stadium with people who want watching people play video games now, mm-hmm. or you know, someone who has a billion Instagram followers and you know come see the tastemaker watch them in their purple pants or whatever their thing mm-hmm. is but it's a niche and it's it's it creates a whole new world in which we're making music in which that butterfly effect can happen happen right mm-hmm. well this man over here he he like I've I've you know done shows all over the country in the states and stuff like that and come across people that know him and his his music. I don't mean to yeah. be blowing sunshine up your ass and making <laughs> no. you feel super uncomfortable here, but um, I'm glad you're doing that. But, I, don't, uh, I don't do it enough. It's good. <laughs> but uh, it's it's. I don't know if he. I'm sure he's aware. He's a very intelligent human, but uh, he has a real far-reaching like. It's impossible to ruin the street cred of Ford Pierce. Like <laughs> he's he is so well respected. Like oh, everywhere, so people nice. know him, and he probably doesn't realize, like, because he's a humble, lovely man, that how how big an influence he has had on music in Canada. Oh, I don't think it's that true. I've had any influence at See? all on music in Canada. He doesn't have two brain cells to rub together. Yeah. <laughs> There's, you know, like there's what what you're talking about there with, you know, like the room full of 3,000 people who, you know, like, wow, where did all this come from? There's a number of different species of that, and they all appear to be more or less the same. Like I remember there was um, – I, I have a, uh, a friend in Toronto who uh, works at a very large publishing company, like an international publishing company, and a lot of their business is stuff that you've never heard of, but – is worth like millions of dollars out there or whatever and he just phoned me up uh when i was living out there one time and just like you want to come to mississauga and see like this one of our biggest artists (laughs) all right you know don't keep me in the dark who is this and i can't even remember the name of the person it was a colombian singer and cool yeah and it was you know i figured that they would be you know like Maybe some place the size of the Commodore or something. But no, this was an arena which was full of like. Was it Selena? It, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't her and it wasn't. Uh, um, Shakira. It wasn't Shakira. Uh-huh. No, it was somebody else who was, I mean, like, you know, just 
anybody with any sort of a, a, a Latin connection all over the Golden Horseshoe drove to go to this show and, you know, paid mad money to get in there. And they were all on their feet and, you know, throwing things at the stage going absolutely crazy. And it's like, this is, you know, this this exists just <laughs> like feet away from you all the time. You know, right. people that that you share space with on the bus or whatever, this is what they're looking forward to. And, you know, people that you work with <laughs> and the, they they eat at the same restaurants you do and everything, but this is what they're completely into. And it is alien to your yeah. own experience. You know, like, how can this be? You would think that if there was going to be an event this big, you would at least have a nodding acquaintance with what it was that was bringing it on, but no. like, And there are things like that all over the place, right under your nose. And you shouldn't even be interested in all of them. You know, that's not what life's about. You know, you, you choose things which are congenial to your nature and to your interests and everything, but it sure is extraordinary to be brought face-to-face -face with, like, I had no idea that this existed. But then on the other hand, there's the sort of thing where it's like just when you're exposed to something new, which isn't even, you know, it doesn't have that exotic element to it. It's just something that you've never heard of before. Like, say, for instance, I, I, would, not, I would not call that experience. I wouldn't say that that's an analog to the fact that Sheldon Gomberg, whom we were talking with earlier, that he had never heard of No Means No. Right. You know? Right. I mean, like, that's a big thing, but it's just not his thing. Right. Yeah. And but then he you, knows but, who Tony Gilkison is. And so, oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, like, that's 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 just something which which moves along a, a different parallel track, which you just don't find out about because it's not your thing or whatever. Well, I mean, and even what As we were talking to, about earlier with Kim about Finnegan's Wake, you've got a book that is imp that is basically unreadable <laughs> that. A uh, hundred years after it was written, you have people who are getting together on a monthly basis to read three pages a time at a time yeah. to get halfway through the book in a decade. <laughs> yep. And, you know, you couldn't make it any more difficult than that nope. work of art made it. And yet it fa it had its buff butterfly effect and it has its cult of people. And if you did, if there was a way, I mean, there you could probably fill a stadium with maybe just one with the people who would want to do that. But it's, it's, oh, a, yeah. just, it's another sense of like, oh, there are, every one of these obscure things has the potential to be massive for the people who it's meant for. That's true. That's mm -hmm. absolutely true. And, mm -hmm. you know, like things that, that are massive, I don't mean popular, but things that, that a lot of people know about and that are a part of a lot of people's lives. Not, you know, like not hits or yeah. whatever but things that that people know about uh depend so much on uh things about the thing which may or may not be a well-known thing or a popular thing or a, or or a big part of a lot of people's lives they depend on so many things about that thing that don't really have all that much to do with that thing you know just sort of the way that they present themselves in people's lives you know like for a very crude example you could say like you know somebody who watches CSI and like i love the theme to that show and it's like well you know there was 
there was this band called The Who, who, <laughs> you know, put out like nine records of that stuff. What? You mean, I mean, like there are people like that. Right. Would, it would never cross their minds and they would never necessarily be exposed to. I love that CSI music. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this? Is this like a, like a dance floor remix of CSI Miami? No, it's who's next. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's, so what you're saying is audi- the audience can sometimes not have a knowledge of the background of a piece of art or music. And, but at the, at the same time, sometimes music can be significant for different reasons that don't have to do with the music. Anything can. Anything can be significant for reasons which are completely unrelated to its essential nature. Yeah. I mean, you could have people, literally, you could have people who are listening to this now who this is the first time they're hearing about Alanis Morissette. Like, to us mm. who lived through her moment, she's like, she was this big act. We don't even want to talk about it because she ruins the street cred. Mm. But there could be someone who's young enough to be listening to this now who is who maybe just knows they're listening because they know Sarah Wheeler and Ford Pier. They see the names on the podcast and like, oh, well, Sarah Wheeler was really inspired by seeing Ford Pier at this show. Some some lady, mm-hmm. you know, and but then maybe like, well, they keep talking about this Alanis Morissette. Maybe I should check out what was, you know, <laughs> I'll bet you $20. There is no such person. Really? Who's who's ever heard of either me or Sarah who hasn't <laughs> heard of Alanis Morissette? We both scream Alanis. You well, know? well yeah. you know what? The thing is, this could the, these these are evergreen. So someone could be listening to this in 20 years, yeah. and that's possible, right? Sure, sure, okay. sure that. It's not like Alanis Morissette had, I mean, she was big for a very short period of time. Yeah, but that was, uh, you know, that was an important moment. It was uh, it was an important moment for um, uh, it was a particularly ghastly moment for product design. All of her records look bad, <laughs> but no, the, for uh, uh, a sort of uh, 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 celebration of, of uh, frankness and and uh, uh, in uh, celebration, I mean, like of the music of Frank. No. No. Uh, frankness in uh, that sort of writing from that sort of a female performer and female performers in general, you know, that was, you know, that was sort of Lilith era and everything. Yeah. And, you know, at one end of the spectrum, there would be like Liz Fair, PJ Harvey. And at the other end of the spectrum, there would be Alanis or uh, Sarah McLaughlin. Or, uh, you know, even uh, uh, the rise of, of people like Bjork or uh, the mainstreaming of Lucinda Williams happened around then, too. And she was, she was a participant in that. I wouldn't say that she was a standard bearer, but that was, that was an important moment. Yeah. And also, I think that, you know, we kind of crap on our female musicians and artists. Like, I, they're, they're marketed or traditionally have been marketed in a way that um, undercuts the respect for any of the music, mm-hmm. you know, like if like a lot of a lot of female musicians. Are you going to do a little chuckling? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't. I think you know. I'm I'm wearing a Dolly Parton shirt, and there's a lot of there's a lot of like female um, icons that are mus- musicians or singers or what have you that really are not presented 
in an equal in an equally respectful way as their male counterparts. So when mm-hmm. we think yeah, of the totally. entire women in song and all that stuff, no one wants to even talk about any of that shit because it it just seems cr- like crappy music. But sometimes like music that's written by a female writer comes from an um, like more of an emotional background as opposed to an intellectual background and so it's judged in a different way and anyway i could go on and on look <laughs> look out yeah. but but the 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 context in 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 the way that music is presented uh can can really change the way you think about music like you know, Mexican music from, I'm thinking of an example, like music from Mexico, where you can have a, have a listen to it and go, oh, these people have shitty electronics and crappy synthesizers and blah, blah, blah. But then if you look a little closer into it, you realize these people come from an area where they don't have a lot of money and they're using the stuff that they have to make something awesome out of that. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to judge it based on your first look at it and go, oh, they got crappy gear and this is this is this is a bit bush, mm-hmm. then you're not really looking at what, like, what makes that music important. And right. that's like taking what you have and making, you know, this is an example that came to mind, but, yeah. you know. Well, uh, you know, we, we encountered it, and I, I'm, I, I, we actually have a, uh, a great female artist who's going to be joining us in our next segment, Selena Martin, and we're going to be getting to her soon. So we're going to have to wrap this up. Luckily, I get to have you for like four (laughs) hours in the studio on Friday. So I'm looking forward to that. Look out. But we did run into this because one of our most recent episodes, we did a tribute to Joni Mitchell. Mm. And the reason we did it was because there's an organization in Olympia that we were, I mean, in Los Angeles that I work with a lot that does a lot of tribute shows. And several several of the women who worked on the tribute shows was like, well, they, they haven't ever tributed a woman yet. And we got to do Joni. So I was like, cool, we'll do Joni on my show. It was great. It was wild. I encourage people to check it out. And then it started this conversation of like, who else? Like, what other women can we tribute? And it's really interesting that people tend to just say, oh, well, like, they go back to, they try and go back Nina to the Simone 60s. Or like, get, yeah. And whereas, like, why not Bjork? Why not yeah. Ricky Lee Jones? Why not... You know, I mean, it'd be very obscure, but I would love it. Why not Veda Hilly? Yeah. There are people who, there are plenty of of female artists who have 10, 15, 20 albums of work that they've done in the last 20 or 30 years, in the last 20 years, as opposed to like having to go back to when people are suggesting Janis Joplin. Why would you do Janis Joplin when you could do, no offense to Janis Joplin, but she has a very limited catalog as opposed to someone like Joni Mitchell, who has. Many, many, many. But I records. think we think of Joni Mitchell in that way because Joni Mitchell herself as a persona is so freaking hardcore that she <laughs> demands respect. Whereas Janis Joplin is dead and was beaten down in her early life right. as like she was a dork in her town and she was a freak and she was probably gay and like also a heroin addict. No, I'm not, ta- so... not trying to not take anything away from. <laughs> I'm not trying to take anything away from her. It's just I'm thinking like like going to what you're saying. The lack of respect for the mo- like we live in an era of amazing female artists in my lifetime as a mu- as a musician, and you know, like we were just talking about so many of them, and and it goes to what you're saying is that we don't we haven't ele- like somehow they haven't elevated in our minds to the Joni Mitchell Bob Dylan place that like we're. Somehow Elvis Costello managed to get up there. You know, Tom Petty managed to leap up into that echelon 
a leap a generation, whereas the people like the women of that generation, not so much. I would say that it that it's mainly Joni Mitchell because she is so hardcore about it, and she talks directly about that shit. Yeah, like she's like. I should be getting way better. Like her and Nina Simone are the only ones that are like, I should be getting way more well, cred than this. I would, I would also say that there's there's a there's a lot of uh, um, there's a, a a lot of women who who are just as good as Joni Mitchell or better who don't uh, directly engage with the star making machine, which she fr- quite frankly had you know like tremendous fascination for and and willing participation in. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like that's sort of a medium is the message type of thing. Uh, A lot of people who do get that big only get that big because that's the that's the machine that gets people that big. And it responds well to people who don't have a great deal of depth. And she was able to sell herself within that context. I don't mean sell herself in a bad way. I mean, like, you know, sell herself as a a product, Uh, you know, somebody like Lucinda Williams who is every inch the writer that Joni Mitchell is, uh, is not interested in operating within that sphere. It would require making certain uh, formal concessions, which I don't think that she's really equipped to do as a writer, even if she wanted to do them. And, uh, you know, so she operates on her festival circuit and makes a comfortable living or whatever. And, you know, anybody who listens to songs and and knows how they're put together and everything knows that she is she you know shares a spot in the firmament with somebody like Joni Mitchell. I'd heard like I'd heard the list of people we should tribute. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still and, think- and I could, you know, like I could I could rattle off, you know, name after name after name. It's just that uh uh, a lot of them just don't operate in that sphere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to have representation. Yeah. You know, because like this is what we were talking about, you know, just like seeing you and Veda on that stage when I was a little kid. There's something about, you know, there's people, lots of musicians and artists crap on the mainstream. But the thing is, is that there's something powerful about seeing someone you that resonates with you up there doing that. There's yes, something absolutely. important about that yeah. that that is beyond the who, what's cool and blah blah blah. Like it's not a question of what's <laughs> it's not a question of what's cool. Mm. It's not a question of what's cool. It's it's a question of operating within a domain which allows for a greater variance of expectation Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. for instance if you're making beer and you're doing it in huge quantities then you have to do it in these enormous tanks and you hire chemists so that it all tastes exactly the same and if it's all expected to taste exactly the same you know like if you're making labat blue or something then there are a number of different notes which you're going to have to leave out of the recipe because there's just from batch to batch they will be different and your product will be inconsistent and it will be less popular you won't sell that much of it you have to be so willing if to you, homogenize you you have to <laughs> you have to and that's not even a bad thing no. if what you're after is consistency on an enormous scale mm-hmm. then you have to reduce the number of 
wrinkles. You're right. You, you have You're to. Right. You have. You have to streamline your product. Your product as must it were. be must be anthemic, and, and in order for an anthem to be successful, it needs to be. Sure, it's it's yeah. it's it's got to be appreciable for what it is from a distance. Truth, because there's just not enough hours in the day for everybody to come in close and have a good look at it. That's true. Well, I want to try and bring us back to your question because I love <laughs> this has been great. I love this is fantastic. And going back to the butterfly effect question, I think just the idea of representation is what you were saying is that whether it's it's huge or whether whether you think that you are huge and speaking to everyone or you think that you're obscure and just the opening act, you don't know what the effect is. But the fact is that the fact of you being there, like you said, representation, means that someone else in the audience who recognizes themselves in you is going to be affected by that. If I can inspire one person out there tonight, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. He's, Ford is not jaded at all. He's not, no. not, even, not even a little He's bit. He's not that, jaded, though. That perspective is just being renewed for me, which is what the song's about. Well, I know that I've been affected by this, and I think every—I I hope the people who have been listened, who have listened, have been as well. And uh, we're going to get many more musical divinations with Sarah, and just uh, for you who are listening very soon. So, uh, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm very honored to be here. Thank you. I'm thrilled that you were able to make it, Wheeler. Uh, uh, Great to see you. Super fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Radio Eight Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher and check out our website and the links provided for info about past and future shows on the Radio 8 blog, our ongoing Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the Pop Oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. I hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. And until next time... I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Wave Show.